Hello, everybody, and welcome. You are listening to the Power Hour here at CJLO 1690 AM in Montreal. My name is William Power. I'm with Dominic Demeester. All right, folks, we already have four weeks in the books. That's just under a quarter of the NFL season. You really kind of start to see things shaping up, and then you think you do, and then things don't shake up. We had a few shakeups, to say the least, this weekend in Week 4. Dominic, I'm excited to do the show. We had a lot of great games, a lot of surprises, too, some uh, some injuries. Unfortunately, we've got to talk from uh, week to week. But, yeah, I'm pumped to do the show, Dom. How are you doing? I'm doing amazing, William. How are you doing? I am great. Thanks for asking, Dom. All right, let's not fidget anymore. Let's jump right into the games that were this weekend. Like I said, we had a few of them, a few overtime games as well, too, some back and forth games. But as per usual, Dominic, I'll throw it over to you and let's jump into a game and let's start dissecting it. Okay, let's start off with the Thursday nighter between the Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers. Detroit takes it 34 to 20. Jared Goff having an average day, 19 for 28, 210 yards. But the star of the show was David Montgomery rushing 32 carries, 121 yards, and three TDs. Wow, this guy, you know, I thought Jameer Gibbs was going to have a touchdown in this game, but who needs Jameer Gibbs when Montgomery, what a beast he was in this game. And I mean, Jordan Love, I mean, I talked about him last week, not seeing the kind of quarterback that I saw early in the season, you know, we'll give him a couple of weeks more to see exactly who the real Jordan Love is. Right now, it's a coin toss for me, William. I'm not sold on Jordan Love, but I like what I see with the Detroit Lions. They're doing it a bit different. And uh, Montgomery, like I said, big surprise. Amon Ray St. Brown also always shows up to every game. You know, the Lions are starting in their season really well. They're 3-1, and one, and so far, I like what they're doing. I like what they're doing as well, Dominic. And, you know, I kind of, uh, after that week one victory, as you know, it was great. They did what they had to do. And then they kind of blew uh, a game um, just a few weeks ago. And I was kind of hard on them. But this is a very good victory. You're playing a Green Bay Packers team that, yeah, you may, may not be the strongest. And you don't really know what you have in Green Bay. Uh, but this defense made Love look like he was second-guessing himself from start to finish. Uh, Green Bay took, I believe, they took an early lead in this one, and then it was it was all Detroit after that. And uh, yeah, Jordan Love, he he looked like he was, uh, you know, kind of still figuring out the offense. But I think a lot of credit has to go to that Lions defense getting two interceptions in this one, and they really controlled the pace from start to finish. And like you talk about a game that's big early on in the year. Both teams were sitting at two and one, uh, and now the uh, the Green Bay Packers fall to two and two. The Lions go to three and one, and they now have the tie break over uh, the Green Bay Packers. And I think that you know we forget that later on these games do play a factor because yes, it is early, dumb, but these divisional games are huge, especially for tiebreakers and everything. And you got to figure right now the Chicago Bears are completely out of that race. Minnesota got their win, but they're one and three. They're not looking great. So I think that later on in the season, Dom, we're going to look back at games like this, divisional ones early on and say, man, this this game was bigger than we thought it would be. Oh, I agree with you 100%. You know, we knocked down a bit Dan Campbell last week, but this was a big game for Dan Campbell, especially in the division. It really showed me that he could definitely, so far at least, carry his team. Uh, His play calling was a lot better. Uh, obviously, he leaned a lot on the run, which I think Detroit needs to do early on to get Goff more comfortable. So, But like you said, big game, big win in that division, and it will probably pay dividend long term during the season. 
Yeah, I think yeah. Well, it's uh, honestly you got to think games like that just seem to uh, to always come back and uh, you know bite the losing team in the butt. Unfortunately, all right, let's go to another game now. Let's go to the Tennessee Titans and the Cincinnati Bengals. Tennessee winning twenty seven to three in this one. Uh, Derrick Henry running wild. I picked the Bengals to win this game because I thought after last week, you know, maybe they kind of found their groove. They won that Monday night game against Los Angeles Rams, and boy, oh boy, was I wrong in this one. Cincinnati just. I don't want to sound like a broken record like I did week one and week two, but I can't remember if I've seen a team this strong or as, as strong as, you know, they finished the year before losing and well, unfortunately did to the Kansas city, but still were Super Bowl contenders is they look like they, they just don't belong right now. And of course there's a lot of things to consider, right? There's the injuries, to the offensive line, there's injuries to Joe Burrow. Um, because Joel Burrow looked like he was just thrown out to the Lions there. And it's a lot of what we saw last season. But nonetheless, they were still able to pull out victories and win most of those games. But we see early on in this year, they're not able to do that. They're sitting at one and three. Jamar Chase isn't happy. He's saying he's always blank open uh, in an interview afterwards. So he's not happy with what's going on. And i got to tell you, I'm shocked with what we're seeing with the Cincinnati Bengals right now. Because... Every time we're looking at the halftime stats, and like they're, they're just struggling to move the football. They're not even struggling to get points at this point. They're struggling to gain yards. It's like they're going down, they're in the red zone, and Burrow's throwing a pick, or you know, Joe Mixon's fumbling, or they're missing a field goal, something like that. Demons making a great play because they literally can't even move the football up the field. To me, this is shocking, and I know that we could blame this and blame that. Uh, the O-line and, and Burrow. Uh, and, you know, maybe a, a kind of a, a hangover after last season and the way it ended. And it was, you know, it was it was a bit uh, heartbreaking for them. But someone's got to take ownership of this team. The the sink, the sorry, the, the, the ship has is sinking right now. And it may be sunk earlier than we expect if someone doesn't grab these guys by the butt and say, let's go, guys, hurry up. Because right now they're sitting at one and three. They don't look good. And, and they look like one of the worst teams in football right now. Yeah, well, you know, there's a lot of things going on in Cincinnati and. I want to knock them down, but I'm not right. I think that all these great teams, I'm going to wait at least till after week six. I want to see a good five games before I really start pressing the panic button. I did say that last week, you know, red alert for Cincinnati, but you know, it's not really hard to fix what the problem is in Cincinnati. First of all, you have a banged up quarterback. Okay. Well, what do you do to alleviate the pressure on the quarterback? You run the damn ball. And unfortunately, Cincinnati, I think, hey, just rip off a page from the Buffalo playbook. Look what Buffalo did. They fixed their problem after week one by running the damn ball. You got Joe Mixon. The guy's actually averaging 4.8 yards a carry. You got a banged up Joe Burrow. No, you know what the problem is right now in Cincinnati? Is that the coaching staff isn't coaching Cincinnati as they should. You got Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan, the offensive coordinator. These guys need to just simplify it, folks. I know Tennessee is a tough defense to play against, especially against the run, but you can't quit on the run. You got to start running the ball more. I believe they will. I'm still concerned with obviously Burroughs, you know, injury. I think that's going to linger throughout the entire season, but Burroughs really good as a quarterback. So I don't foresee this lasting too long. Maybe they'll even lose next week, but at the end of the day, there's not a world that I don't imagine Cincinnati not being in the playoffs. They are one of the only teams that I believe have a very good, strong vertical passing game. And in order to win the Super Bowl, that's what it's going to take. So, yeah, they're down on their luck right now. The only red flag really is Joe Burrow's injury. But if they can 
treat it properly, which I anticipate they will. Cincinnati will eventually get, you know, over the hump. One more injury, however, that is very concerning as well is unfortunately Higgins is going to have to play with fractured ribs. So you're going to have to find another star to in, in order to like get this offense going. That's why I'm leaning on the running game. You're going to have to start running the ball. Joe Mixon needs to be featured a lot more. And I think they can. They got the team. And by midseason, this team will be almost 500, if not 500. Yeah, I think like at this point, that's kind of what you're aiming for. Because right? I do get what you're saying that you want to, you know, wait a few more weeks and see what these guys really are. It's early. But I always say it on the NFL, you know, it's not a long season. It's like and not like any other sport. There's only 17 games. It used to be 16, but now there's 17 games. I'm not sure if they could afford to fall to one and four, one and five, or or even two and five, just with how good A, the division is and how B good the conference is, because we've seen the AFC get a lot more sacks and a lot more competitive than the season's past. I don't doubt this team's talent now, but eventually they're gonna have to start winning games and, and not, not necessarily even winning them convincingly, but just chalking up some W's because right now at one and three, it doesn't look good. And yeah, Mixon, it's it's a great point there. They do really have to start running the football because they are high on him and they were high on him when they drafted him. So hopefully they're able to get that fixed up. And obviously with Cummings, with running the footballs, you have to have a good solid O-line. So it looks like they need to continue to address those issues because they haven't really seemed to fully address them yet with, with how much uh, Joe Burrow has uh, seen the turf, unfortunately, so far this season. All right, Tom, let's continue with another game. Well, let's stay in the division and talk about the Baltimore Ravens versus the Cleveland Browns. You know, big hype before the game. However, the, the shocking news is Watson didn't play and Dorian Thompson Robinson end up starting as QB for the Cleveland Browns. You know, you could knock him being like the only reason why the Browns, you know, lost this football game, but it was more than that. They didn't really have an identity at all in this football game. And the Baltimore Ravens took it 28 to three. But you know what I, what I want to talk about here, folks? It's not about the Browns, really. The Browns have a good D. At the end of the day, they'll be fighting probably for a wild card spot. I was talking up a lot of the Baltimore Ravens, but this was a good game to see exactly against a very strong D. You know, what does Baltimore, what can they do? And they have a lot of depth and whatnot. And I'm a big guy that is huge on Baltimore, but I'm about to knock them down a little peg. I didn't like what I saw in this football game. And the reason why I didn't like what I saw was more or less that it's becoming way too predictable to read Baltimore. It really is. And we've been saying that for a while. And I know I talked up Lamar Jackson and, you know, improving his passing game, which he has. Don't get me wrong. But I really started to scratch my head after this game. And I said to myself, man, this even against a good defense, they're eventually going to face even a better team that's going to get, you know, well-rounded closer to the end of the season. And not, no knock on Cleveland, but I just, I just don't think you're going to be that strong of a team by the uh, end of the season. Maybe the defense, okay, here and there. But the point that I'm trying to make is that I just don't see this year Baltimore being able to win the Super Bowl. They're 3-1 and one right now. And, you know, you've heard me talk about Baltimore year in, year out. I finally think I've swallowed, you know, William, I, followed, I, I basically drank your orange juice, saying <laughs> to myself, man, I just don't believe in Lamar Jackson anymore, only because... The game plan is just too predictable. And the guy that really kind of shocked me was Mark Andrews. You know, this guy 
is not the old Mark Andrews. It seems like his injuries has have really slowed him down. Sure, he's a good you know weapon in the red zone, but at the end of the day, I don't see Baltimore being able to win three in a row in the way that they're playing. Everything is working out right now for Baltimore, even with the injuries. It looks nice, but let's see where they're going to be by the end of the season. Or, you know, maybe it's going to be after one game in the playoff. This seems like it could be a one-and-done team for Baltimore. And what I'm seeing right now, as much as I love the Ravens, I'm actually starting to not really like him as much due to the play calling being so predictable. Don't know if that makes much sense to you right now. Teams winning three, uh, their teams leading three and one in the division. They look like they're doing fine for a lot of people, but I got a little red flag for that Baltimore Ravens team. Look, there's a, there's a lot of, I guess you could say, misleading stats or, you know, things you want to jump on. It's kind of like the overreaction week one. And I think that, you know, we could kind of uh, fall into that trap after week four as well. So I, I get what you're saying in, in the sense that, you know, maybe it sounds weird to say this team isn't as good as we think they're when they're sitting at three and one. Um, but look, I mean, look, they did beat up on a, on a backup quarterback uh, with uh, with Deshaun Watson not playing in this game. So look, three and one, it's not, not the four and all. They're not necessarily blowing teams out of the water. So I do get where you're coming from that. Um, I thought Lamar, you know, did a, did a, a good job of uh, targeting Mark Andrews in this one. I thought he had a really nice throw to, to Andrews in the back of the end. So it wasn't the best decision. He threw him basically triple coverage. But I was impressed with the, the ball that he threw to Mark Andrews in the back of the end zone. And I think that this game is kind of like... Kind of one of those games, you know, Don, where you say it's like a wash. It's kind of, I feel like it's hard to judge much from this game just because of who they played and who was missing in this one. But one thing I do agree with you, Dom, is that this um, offense will have to get a lot less uh, predictable because, you know, even if they ended up winning this game 60 to zip and they were passing the ball all kinds, it's just, I find it's a very good recipe to be able to pile up wins in the regular season. But when it comes playoff time, it's tough to be able to sustain and win, like you said, three, if not four straight games uh, to be Super Bowl champs there. So something to keep an eye on now for the uh, for the Ravens and a big win. Nonetheless, they go to three and one. We'll see, Dom. Right now, it looks like you, you say you're drinking some of my orange juice and I like it. But let's go to a game that was much closer. We got the Los Angeles Rams and the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts were getting crushed in this game, blown out of the water. The Rams were running away with it when this one. The Colts come all the way back. They tie this game, and then none other than Puka Nakua gets a touchdown to seal the victory for these Los Angeles Rams. Tom, I don't know if you know this, but right now Puka Nakua is on pace to break the record for most receiving yards in a season. Where did this guy come from? He's a rookie. He's got to be one of the craziest stories in the NFL, and he's leading his Rams right now, and another victory by him and by his Rams. I love Puka Nakua. I drafted him in my fantasy pool. There was just something about this college tape that I was just blown away. He wasn't in the same league as Antonio Brown, but his route running ability was just bar none beautiful to watch. And yeah, I don't know why he slipped to the fifth round, but he did. And the Rams just, you know, inherited a jewel. But in order for him to become a jewel, he needed the opportunity to display his skills. And wow, with Cooper Cup going down early, this guy just took over his spot. Now, I know that Cooper Cup is probably going to be playing this week, and I would imagine Puka Nakua, you know, will be relegated to the number two wide receiver on this team. But he's already solidified the confidence with Matthew Stafford, and that's the most important thing. Speaking of Matthew Stafford, boy, did he 
ever impressed me in this game. You know, a guy that's willing to take a hit in the NFL, I just love it. There was a moment, I believe, in overtime or right before, maybe in the fourth quarter, where he needed to convert a third down, and he baited the linebacker at the last second. He knew he was going to get a hit. He knew, but he eventually baited the linebacker and converted that third down. That type of play is rare in this day and age in the NFL due to the fact that personally, I don't think there's many great quarterbacks currently in the NFL. That's just my personal opinion, but Matt Stafford still has that gunslinging ability and that experience to make a play like that. That is so crucial to win a, to winning football games. So congratulations to the Rams. You went 21, 29, 23 and yeah, Puka Nakua, what a star in the making. I can't wait to see this offense with Cooper cup. I imagine Cooper cup is going to be probably slowly, but surely brought into this offense. I don't want to see Cooper cup right away. Cause you know, this guy, no offense in the last two years, he's injury prone. So let him get rehabilitated to the NFL and let Puka Nakua carry the, at least the next two weeks for the Rams. And again, congratulations. Beautiful overtime victory. Rams fans, you have reason to be excited. All right, folks, stay tuned. We're taking our first break. You're listening to CJLO, 69 a.m. in Montreal. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. You're listening to the Power Hour here at CJLO, 69 a.m. in Montreal. My name is William Power. I'm with Dominic Demeester. Crazy to think we're already in October. Going to be some of the uh, leaves starting to change. We got our MLB baseball playoffs. It's exciting. I got to admit, this is definitely my favorite type of weather when you got to put a sweater on nice and cozy so yeah hopefully you're enjoying the October weather early on just to add on to what you said about the Ramsey I'm curious to see how how spooky I guess for in terms of the the festive season this team can be with Cooper Cup coming back interesting to see how they use him and you know that Cooper Cup has basically been quote-unquote his spot been taken by Puka Nakua he seems to run the same routes and the same amount of receptions and targets it'll be cool to see how they add him and Tough to see how defenses are going to uh, try and defend this duo because I, I sure won't be easy. So they got two and two right now. Do not look past the rounds, folks. They can still be a dangerous team. All right, let's jump to the next game, Dominic. All right, let's talk about the Philadelphia Eagles against the Washington Commanders. Big game here. Philadelphia sneaking a victory in overtime, 34 to 31. Jalen Hurts. Having a big game here, 25 for 37, 319 yards and two touchdowns. And boy, did A.J. Brown seal the deal. Nine receptions, 175 yards and two TDs. You know, there's not that many teams right now that can be consistent in the NFL. But Philadelphia is certainly one of them sitting at 4-0, really taking a stronghold in the division. Wow, Philadelphia for me right now is probably the most consistent team with the San Francisco 49ers. I have a, a strange feeling that we're going to be seeing them, obviously, at some point in the playoffs. I don't have anything bad to say about Washington. They really showed up and played very well in this football game. You know, the coaching staff had a good plan. It was kind of like a back-and-forth game. Eventually, someone's got to win, and Philadelphia took it. So congratulations to both teams. I think that uh, Sam Howell also played pretty decent after throwing four picks last game. Seems like he bounced back, and when you're playing against a big divisional rival and you could at least stay competitive, I would expect both these teams to be competitive at least in the next few weeks. But uh, anyways, congratulations to the Eagles. You win this one, 34-31. to 31. 
Yeah, I totally get where you're going with this one, Dom. Uh, 319 passing yards for Jalen Hurts. Uh, AJ Brown going bananas for 175 yards, two touchdowns. I got to admit, though, I was a little unimpressed with the Eagles in this one. What I mean by that is, okay, you could look past the, or you need an overtime to beat a team like Washington. Divisional games are always a little bit more, uh, you know, competitive and close and Washington's on the table team that's going to back down to anyone. And I've been actually quite impressed with them this year. But I feel like Philadelphia's offense right now is like, look, and they're clicking. Statistically, they've been very good. Um, and I think that that's why I think I, numbers never lie. And I agree with that. But some of the stats can be a little deceiving. I, I'm not sure if he's on the exact same page, Hurts, as, as his receivers and tight ends. There's been a few plays this year. And I don't know if you're watching the game, but one of the announcers said it that you're kind of like, huh? And like, what was that? There was a play or. Yeah, he threw the ball and his receiver was running a different route. And he kind of throws the ball up to A.J. Brown, hoping to, for him to make a catch and double coverage. And while I think that's good now and that's, you know, it's working, for me, when I look at San Fran, I say, like, is this team going to lose? Like, are they going to lose? And when it's the Eagles, I'm kind of saying, like, okay, when is it? Like, when are they going to lose? It's not about, like, if it's about when with the Eagles. Where San Fran, it's like, they're good enough to go undefeated and win the Super Bowl. Um and I really got to say, right now, the, the the San Francisco 49ers are my clear-cut number one favorites in the NFC. And look, the Eagles can only beat who they, who they play, right? They're 4-0 at the end of the day, whether they're 4-0 winning every game by one point or by 51 points. It makes no difference. But I'm a little bit concerned with this team's, the team in terms of their Super Bowl hopes. Uh, I don't, I'm not concerned about them winning the division. I'm not concerned about them making the playoffs or making a run. But I, I think that there has to be a few things cleaned up by this offense specifically uh, in order for the And the defense, too, right? They gave up 31 points to Washington. But I'm not sure this is the high-powered team from last year. I'm a little bit more concerned about this team than you are, Dom. Yeah, I agree with what you just said. I mean, I myself, I'm not a huge fan of Jalen Hurts to begin with. I think that that offensive line got a little weaker. And at the end of the day, they still seem to be able to be able to convert on fourth downs more than anybody else in the NFL. And they have those two stars with Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. They can pass vertically as well, and they can run the football. I think game-wise, in terms of scheme, the scheme is very effective in Philadelphia. If they meet San Francisco, let's just say in the NFC Championship, who wins that game right now? You know, I would have to pick San Francisco, but it really would depend on how the Eagles open up that game. I honestly think they are not as good as they were last year. But in terms of talent in the NFL, no knock to any other franchise at all. I just think there's a lack of quarterbacks. And Ooh. anybody can play these odd game plans where you go on fourth down, where it's become, I said it last week, it's become a fashionable thing to do, even though someone will just say, oh, the analytics. I think the analytics that people throw out there is a false equivalence. In other words, they don't take a lot of attributes. They just throw in, oh, you know, people are converting on fourth down. They don't take into account where are they converting on fourth down. They don't take into account what quarter was the fourth down converted in. So all they say is that, well, the analytics show that you should go on fourth down. And that's what Philadelphia is doing. Why? Because their system enables them to do so and a lot of people right. are trying to copy that and unfortunately as you can see a lot right now is a lot of people are failing on fourth down so not everybody can do it and i think philadelphia made it a lot more fashionably able uh, for them to do so but 
it's working for them. And that's why the Eagles are kind of like a mystery team and yeah. they're winning football games at 4-0. That's that's just my thoughts on the on the Eagles. How far they go uh, this year will all depend on where Jalen Hurts will take them. This team is still loaded in terms of offensive weapons, so you can't go, ever go wrong with that. But it will always come down to what will Jalen Hurts do on any given Sunday. And I think that that offensive line isn't as strong as it was last year. So yes, you're right. It doesn't look as clean as last year. And there's still a lot of of question marks in Philadelphia in terms of Jalen Hurts is play. Well, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, cop teams copying them just uh, on Monday night football, we saw the giants try and do the tush push and it didn't work for them. It's incredible how, easy the Eagles make you look and how they've mastered that when they need a yard it's almost automatic it's like they should just give them the yard because the Eagles won't be stopped but yeah they, their system does work and and it's a very good uh a very good um analysis by you there Don to, to see about the Eagles and their ability to go for it on fourth down all right let's go to an AFC East matchup a game I didn't want to have to talk about but I'll have to talk about the you know the ups and lows Dolphins coming off a 70-point uh, performance last weekend and this week getting blown into the waters by Buffalo 48-20. to 20. Look, I'm talking this from a Dolphins fan's point of view to, to start it off because, I'm, of course, I'm biased. It was frustrating to see, A, the Dolphins not be able to get a stop in this game. Um, and, you know, B, I, I, I thought the Dolphins got outcoached in this game. And what I mean is that Stephon Diggs, his numbers against Xavier Howard over his career have been, I like, unbelievable he's, he's had Howard have he's always had um Howard's number and look it's one-on-one it's not easy to cover a guy man on man but if you're Miami I don't understand why you're putting Kohu on Diggs's side and not only is is Howard not traveling with Diggs which in my opinion if he should have I don't know if there was one play where Howard was on Diggs and to me that was absolutely ridiculous you're leaving the best receiver on the Buffalo Bills against Kohu who's just not ready to play NFL football yet, and especially not cover a guy like Diggs. And that was really all she wrote. They scored at well. They were like a college football team playing against a college football defense. Diggs had the game he usually does against Miami. Josh Allen had an incredible game. And I think this was a big statement victory for the Buffalo Bills to say, hey, wait a minute. Like, the Dolphins are good, but we still think we're the best team in the AFC East. And I think right now they showed they are the best team in the AFC East. You talk about statement wins. This was the biggest statement win over the weekend and maybe over the course of the first four weeks of the season this year because Allen looked good, this offense looked good, the defense looked good, and Buffalo was was rocking at home, and it was a huge win and a statement win by the Bills. Yeah, huge win for the Buffalo Bills. Remember, they're in Buffalo, and that place is hard to play in. And when you have Stephon Diggs playing at his highest level, it is a tough team to beat. But I talked about it earlier in the show how buffalo has decided to run the football they didn't run it as well as they did last week but they still run it fairly well if you look at the average yards per running back they're pretty much you know high up there so i honestly think that as a result it's enabled to open up the passing game a lot more and stefan diggs is able to destroy secondaries that has been the key to Buffalo, especially after the disaster start against the Jets. So they've turned the corner. They're moving forward. As long as that team stays healthy, now they just lost a, a big piece yeah. in the secondary. So it'll be interesting to see how Buffalo decides to do to play their offense. Are they going to try to you know run the ball less moving forward? Because 
Well, actually, no, I should say run the ball more moving forward because you want to always keep the opponent's offense off the field. So it'll be interesting. Keep an eye on Buffalo with that secondary. That's the only red flag uh, that I can kind of say to them moving forward. But there's not a lot of teams that can really expose that other than a, a team like Cincinnati or maybe the Chargers. So until they play those teams... You know, I would say that that's going to be their biggest challenge. And even Miami, obviously, they're going to play Miami again. And I would expect Miami to win next time around, especially in Miami. You know, they put up 70 points last week. They're not going to be able to put 70 points every single game. Buffalo just had a better game plan. They were prepared. And that's why they won this football game 48 to 20. Yeah, big loss. Tredavious White out for the season. I obviously watched the game live and you just kind of knew it happened. It was a non-contact injury. He grabbed his helmet, he threw it on the ground. And I really, really felt sorry for him. You can kind of see him tearing up. Uh, and it's really sad to see, you know, these NFL players train so hard in the offseason. You know, it's it's their lives to play, go out there and play the sport they love. And for, for it to be taken away so quickly is is really sad for white so definitely praying for him and uh, wishing him a speedy recovery for for next season all right don let's continue on with their uh recaps let's talk about the monday night debacle between the seattle seahawks and the new york giants seattle just owning the giants 24 to 3 Oh boy, what is going on in New York? I know that offensive line is a patchwork and it's going to be a process, but this is not the New York Giants team we saw last year. It is not. And I understand you're only as good as your depth on your football team, but this frigging loss is not on Daniel Jones. As much as I can critique him, it truly is not on Daniel Jones. It's on a guy who I have not critiqued yet because I've been in love with him since day one. It's on Brian Dable's shoulders. It really (laughs) is all about Brian Dable not having a way to execute a better offense. I don't know why he just doesn't throw bombs to the one and only who I think is a steal, and we still haven't seen him yet really develop his full skill set, is Jalen Hyatt. Why aren't you just throwing bombs to the speedster Jalen Hyatt? There's no excuses for all these dink passes that I see, and this is not the only team that's doing it. Hail, my Pittsburgh Steelers are doing the same thing with all these little dink dunk passes. This is horrible football. I'm not buying it. This is not how you win football games. you got to start passing vertically. And you might say, oh, I don't have the time or the personnel. Baloney. You could do all sorts of different play action, bootleg plays, time it properly. Brian Dable, you were horrible tonight. You deserve to lose the game. We're broadcasting Monday night, folks. So, yes, we just (laughs) saw this football game. And, yes, honestly, it was a disaster. Pete Carroll was laughing from head to toe, cheering all on these horrible plays that the Giants just end up giving them on offense. So, yeah, Seattle deserves the game, no doubt about it. But, Brian Dable, this one's on you. You deserve the big L and not Daniel Jones. I'm going to give Daniel Jones a pass on this one, uh, William, I just have to, because that offensive line was atrocious. Yeah, the, the O-line wasn't good, and I, I definitely uh, have to say I concur with, with what you're saying. There was He seemed to, early on, well, they seemed to go hurry up offense, which is a little bit strange, and I think that, like, you know, during the, the beginning part of the game, 
it seemed Daniel Jones was looking down the field and nothing was there. And he was tucking and running, okay, and he was tucking and running, okay, and he was doing it again and again. So, yes, while I agree that I don't think that, that they will put him in the best position to win, um, I think that Daniel Jones has become too reliant on his athleticism. And I don't know if it's he doesn't trust his throw, Dom. Um, I don't know if you know he, he loves the ability to run because he can run. He's just physically built that way. But I think that he he takes his eyes off the field too quickly in order to tuck and run and to try and gain those extra yards because there's just there's a lack of explosive plays on this offense like you just talked about. There's no there's nothing fun about this offense, right? Like it was I guess it was fun when Saquon was there and breaking tackles left and right. But even when he was there, there just wasn't much to it. Um, and I, I do feel like, yeah, a lot of it has to do with, with uh, you know, with able to. But I, I don't know. I, I feel like if we go back to last year, and I think that, you know, this this may be a little bit ironic, but I think the worst thing for this franchise was Daniel Jones having a good year. And what I mean by that is they, they were kind of handcuffed into re-signing him, uh, into giving him a lot of money, and into believing him because he had a very impressive year last year. But... Right now, this this team looks very similar to what it looked of old the years prior to last year. Daniel Jones looking like a deer in headlights. Them not being able to move the ball at the field. Them being a boring offense. Them being out of sync. It was just so much of what we're used to seeing out of this Giants team out of late that I feel like, yeah, maybe this soul game wasn't on Daniel Jones, but I've been unimpressed with Daniel Jones in comparison to last season, Dom. I think that's how I'd say it. No, you're absolutely right, William. I mean, we both <laughs> would agree that Daniel Jones was never an elite quarterback, but we did see some growth. And we saw the same type of growth that Josh Allen kind of grew in Buffalo, right? Because Brian Dable used to be in Buffalo. He kind of like was trying to do the same thing for Daniel Jones, but I'm going to have to wait another two weeks, William. I really am going to have to wait another two weeks. I truly think that the New York Giants are underperforming. They've also brought in Paris Campbell and they give him a lot of money and they're using him. But I think that that's not Paris Campbell is not the guy you need to focus on in this offense. And remember, Saquon Barkley is not playing on this football team. And that's a, the heart and soul of this football team, in my personal opinion. I do like this defense. Yeah, they didn't tackle too well tonight. But I'm not going to give up on the on the Giants. I really am not. I know it sounds crazy after seeing what we just saw. I just think it's poor execution and poor executioning and poor game plan by Brian Dable. I, I honestly think they will find a way. Maybe I'll take all the way through midway through the season. But the New York Giants will find a way to fix this because like I said at the top of the show, there's not that many teams that have the talent to pass vertically. The Giants are one of them. And I think if they could just find some plays to get Daniel Jones off the bootleg, you'd find a lot more success, especially with Jalen Hyatt in the play action. So let's just take a deep breath myself and give the Giants a pass. It's a long season, and I do believe we'll be seeing them playing a lot better football moving ahead. Yeah, they got two uh, two tough games coming up. They think they play at Miami this upcoming uh, week and then at Buffalo the week after. So if they're able to maybe squeeze uh, one of the two there, you know, against uh, two of the top teams in the AFC, I think that'd be, uh, you know, maybe a, a, what would be a step in the right direction, potentially maybe even a statement as well. But uh, like, yeah, like you said, it, it's a long season. It's a short season. Definitely depends the way you look at it. 
Uh, this team, yeah. Still has, yeah, this team still has time. At the end of the day, you you what you're saying makes sense. They do they do still have time. You know, it's uh, only four games out of a 17 game season. But yeah, I think you got to try and find that stuff sooner rather than later. And even use a guy like Darren Waller more too. Like he's a guy that can stretch the ball down the field. He's a guy that has a big catch radius. He's tall. He's big. He's a strong guy. And I want to see him being used a, a little bit more in the offense because he still has a lot left on the table. All right, Dom. Let's continue. We got a few more games to recap. All right, man, let's go and talk about the Chargers versus the Raiders. You know, I love the fact that the Raiders actually put Aiden O'Connell out there, but they lose this football game 24-17 on a late pick. Obviously, a rookie mistake. Aiden O'Connell is going to have to learn the hard way like everybody else. You know, you don't make that pass. He did it. He got picked off, and they lost this football game. But you know what? He still went 24 for 39, 238, and obviously no touchdowns because it was all about Josh Jacobs in this game. And as for the Chargers, you know, Herbert, you know, it was okay. It wasn't great. You know, 13 for 24, 167, really underperforming and finding a way still to win this football game. But there's two teams, William, in this division that could find themselves in a wildcard spot which is the Broncos and the Raiders. I know those are crazy teams to put out there because they're both right now only one in three. But if the Raiders actually stick with Aiden O'Connell long-term, they will have more success than bringing in Jimmy Garoppolo. Of course, you know, you got Josh McDaniels, who I absolutely despise as a head coach. But, you know, again, it's still very early in the NFL But a team like the Raiders still being able to stick with the Chargers to me shows to me that the Raiders at least were somewhat well prepared. And I do believe that Aiden O'Connell is an upgrade at the quarterback position. So keep an eye on the Raiders. As for the Chargers, you know, it wasn't the best outing. They're adjusting to Mike Williams not being there anymore. They're trying to find a new identity. Obviously, you still have Keenan Allen as as the main cog usually there, but uh, they weren't really able to develop too much game plans, uh, too much of a great game plan there to in this football game and still found a way to win. So congratulations for them. And that coach, man, I just, I, I'm not going to say his name. You know what his name is. He will be eventually fired at one point if he continues calling these horrible fourth down calls because he just can't seem to get it right on fourth down. It's just, it's a, what a debacle of that coach. I just, anyways, it is what it is. No, Don, you're being too generous towards those charges. Let me tell you the few things I learned about this game in in about 45 seconds or less. Number one, the Chargers are not a Super Bowl contender. They're simply not. Year after year, we say they're the dark horse. They can do this. They can do that. They tried to find a way to lose to a backup quarterback. Yes, they tried to find a way to lose this game. They couldn't because the Las Vegas Raiders had a backup quarterback, even though he played pretty well in this game. This game should have been over before it started. They had a 24 to 7 lead. They almost blew it. The Chargers, I, I learned a lot more about the Chargers in this game than I did about the Raiders. The Chargers are not a Super Bowl contender. They cannot be squeezing by teams like this, regardless of it's, if it's a divisional matchup or not. Unimpressive with the Chargers. Maybe it's a little bit premature, but I did not like what I see out of them. But Kalomak, six sacks in this game. Pretty incredible there. Revenge game for him. So I think the two things I learned is, number one, the Chargers are no longer, right now as we speak, a Super Bowl contender in my eyes. Number two would be Kalomak is back. I know that rhyme. I didn't mean to do that. So hopefully he could change my, my uh, I guess I could say, my opinion on the Chargers right now because I was unimpressed with that game. But shout out to Kalomak and his six sacks. All right, folks, we're taking our final break. You are listening to CJLO, 1690 AM in Montreal.
Hello, everybody, and welcome back. You're listening to the Power Hour here at CJLO, 1690 AM in Montreal. My name is William Power. I'm with Dominic Demeester. So we're giving you guys our week five picks, a few things to go over from last week. We had an impressive win by the Houston Texans, beating the Steelers. We had Tampa Bay winning again, now sitting at 3-1. and one. We had the Cowboys winning 38-3 to three over the Patriots. San Francisco looking good over the Cardinals, winning 35-16. to 16. And a massive comeback by the Denver Broncos to get their first win of the season after trading 28-7. to seven. They scored 24 straight points and win 31 to 28 over the Bears. So Broncos Nation, let's ride. You get your first one of the season. Congrats on that. Let's start with our games for today. Our game for today, actually opening up week five of this week, this year in the NFL. We got the Chicago Bears at the Washington Commanders. Commanders favored by six and a half at home, Dom. Yeah, I have uh, the Washington Commanders taking this football game. I think that we're slowly but surely getting to see Eric Bieniemy's offense. It's kind of taking time to develop, but Washington will win this football game 28-20. to 20. Yeah, I'm going to go with you as well. Washington wins this game. I was impressed with how Justin Fields played last week. I was kind of happy because he been kind of getting a bad rap with the way he started this season. He's kind of saving his job now, hopefully, potentially even though they ended up losing the game. But I'm going to say Washington wins this game, but doesn't cover. I'm going to go 27-23 in this one for the Bears. Next up, we got another game in London. we got the Buffalo Bills playing against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Buffalo favored by 5.5 in this one. I think the Bills continue exactly where they left off last week. Their offense is going to be able to explode. I wasn't super impressed with how the Jaguars did in London. It's crazy. <laughs> Jaguars are going to be in London back-to-back week, so... They're getting the little vacation in there. But I'm going to say Buffalo wins this one, Dominic, and covers. Final score, 33-20 to 20 for the Bills. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills to win this football game as well. I just think that Trevor Lawrence, unfortunately, sometimes looks scared. But I do believe that they'll be in this football game. Buffalo will take it 24-20. to 20. All right, next up, we got the Houston Texans at the Atlanta Falcons. Falcons favored by one if you can call this an upset, call it an upset. But I'm going to go with Houston here. I really like what I've seen from C.J. Stroud out of the last two weeks. I like what we've seen of him and his relationship with Tank Dell. And he also developed uh, some chemistry with his other receivers this week, which was good. So I'm going to go a bit more of a lower-scoring game. But still, C.J. Stroud is able to get the dub for his boys. 23-17 final score, Houston. Yeah, Atlanta, unfortunately, Desmond Ritter is probably the worst quarterback in the NFL. And that's saying a lot. However, the Falcons have a superstar, a true superstar in Bijan Robinson, and they find a way to win this football wow. game 23 to 20. All right, next up, we got the Detroit Lions hosting the Carolina Panthers. Lions favored by nine. Yeah, you know what? I liked what I saw with the Panthers last week. They almost won the football game, and that's why I have them covering the spread. However, the Lions, that offense is looking better and better. Give me the Lions, 28-20. to 20. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to say this game goes to overtime. I kind of have a feeling it's going to be a tight game for some reason. But the Lions do pull it off in the end. They win 27-24 to 24 and improve 2-4-1. and one. Next up, divisional matchup. Tennessee Titans at the Indianapolis Colts. We've got the Colts favored by one and a half here. I'm going to go with Tennessee in the upset. I like what we saw out of them this week against the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Indianapolis did get, uh, you know, a tough uh, a tough loss there. They played a good game against the Rams. But no, I think Tennessee comes in hot in this game. 
They go, they get the tough earned victory against the division rivals. I'm going to go final score 24-20 for Tennessee. You know, I would normally take the Titans, but for whatever reason, this is a tough divisional game. And Anthony Richardson has been pulling a rabbit out of his hat. He almost put one against the Rams, but unfortunately he came up short. He won't come up short this week. Give me the Colts to win a tight one, 20-19. Sorry, 20-18 to cover the spread. All right, nice, nice. Close game there. I like it. Next up, we got the Dolphins. Playing at home against the New York Giants. Miami favored by nine and a half. Yeah, I'm going to go with Miami in a blowout. I really will. Uh, I think the Giants could potentially even win this football game. But man, that offensive line is too scary. So give me the uh, Dolphins to win a big one. 35 to 39. Sorry, 35 to 30. All right, next, I'm going to go. Yeah, so I'm going to go with the, the, Cal- the Dolphins winning as well in this one. Tough pill to swallow after last week. They go, they rebound. Offense looks very good. Their defense looks better than it did last week. It's hard to look any worse than it did, mind you. But I'm going to go Dolphins winning this one, 36-17, and definitely covering the spread there. Next up, we got the New Orleans Saints at the New England Patriots. Patriots favored by one and a half. Yeah, I like the Saints in this football game. I really do. The Patriots, Bill Belichick is the whole reason why this franchise is in disarray. Give me the Saints. 28 to 20. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Saints here too as well, Dom. Uh, I like the fact that uh, they're underdogs in this one. I think they're going to use that to their advantage. New England just hasn't looked good. This offense just like has lit. It has nothing to it. It needs a little more salt, a little more pepper. It needs something because right now it's bland as heck. And so is the Saints offense, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take their offense over the Patriots offense. Low scoring game, 17-16 Saints win. Next up, Baltimore Ravens at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Baltimore favored by four and a half. I don't know how they're going to do it. I really don't know how they're going to do it with Mitch Trubinsky. But the Steelers will find a way to win this football game. Wow. I don't know how they will. They will win by three. Give me the, St- the Steelers, 20-17. to 17. Uh, Dom, I don't know. I, I don't have the same faith in the Steelers that you do. I think Baltimore continues off their win streak. And I think Lamar Jackson has another two rushing touchdowns in this one. Maybe the Steelers keep it close a little bit early on, but I think eventually uh, they pull away in this one. I'm going to go 32-17 to 17 in this one for the Ravens. Next up, we got the Cincinnati Bengals at the Arizona Cardinals. Cincy favored by three. Who would have thought they both have the identical record at this point of the season sitting at one and three? This is shocking to me. I'm going to go with Cincinnati here uh, because I think they're the better team and that they're going to win. But the way the season's gone for them, I wouldn't even be surprised to see Arizona pull off the upset. But I'm going to go 27-21 here for Cincinnati and they get their second win of the season. Yeah, I'm going to go with the push here. This is an overtime game and Cincinnati will take it 27-24. to All right, next up, we got the Philadelphia Eagles at the Los Angeles Rams. This is probably my game of the week. We got the Eagles favored by four and a half. Yeah, the Eagles seem to be riding high on this Jalen Hurts train. I just can't get off it right now. So I'm going with the Eagles big. Give me the Eagles 35 to 20. 
I'm going to go with my upset special here. I like what I've seen from the Rams this season. I like that the fact that Cooper Cup should be back in this game. The Eagles will not go undefeated this year. There's always an upset every week. I always like to say that. Why not in Los Angeles? Why not against the Rams with Cooper Cup making his debut for the season? I'm going to go a good old-fashioned shootout here. 30-28 to 28, Los Angeles Rams had the Eagles their first loss of the season. Next up, New York Jets at the Denver Broncos. Broncos favored by two and a half. The Broncos are slowly turning the corner. They will win this football game. An ugly football game, to say the least. I'm going to go with 12 to 10. Yes, wow. very low scoring. They don't cover the spread, but they still win this game. Broncos take it 12 to 10. I think it's the Broncos game to, game to lose, and I think they find a way to win this game. I'm not sure it'll be as low scoring. I, I was impressed with what I saw out of uh, out of Wilson last game for the Jets. Almost, we didn't even talk about that, completed the massive upset against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, they came close in that one and didn't win. I think they'll come close in this one as well, and will also not this win this one. I'm going to go 25-22 in this one for the Denver Broncos. Next up, we got the Chiefs at the Vikings. Kansas City's favored by five and a half. Now, this is going to be a very entertaining football game. It might be the best of the week. I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs to win it in overtime. Wow. 24 to 20. Sorry, 24 to 18. Big touchdown late in the game for the Chiefs. You know what? I want to say this game will be close, and maybe part of me thinks it will be, but I've been unimpressed with what I've seen from the Vikings this year from start to finish, specifically the way Kirk Cousins played that last game. He's lucky his defense came to play because I don't think Kirk Cousins say, you know, it was you could say statistically it didn't look all that bad, but I did not like the way Cousins played that game, and I think he has another poor game in this one. I'm going to go Kansas City wins this one. Final score, 35-18, to 18, and they uh, are able to have a much more convincing victory than they did against the New York Jets. Next up, Sunday Night Football, we got the Dallas Cowboys at the San Francisco 49ers. San Fran favored by three and a half. You know, this is my upset of the week. Wow. Yes, I am calling the 49ers will lose their first game. I think Mike McCarthy is going to gamble in this game, and we're going to see the best Doc Prescott and C.D. Lamb combo that we've been waiting for for a while. Yes, they will take a 14-0 lead and will not look back. Give me the Cowboys to take this one 28-17. Wow, I like that, Tom. That's gutsy. I don't see it happening. Maybe if it was in Dallas, but I think, you know, playing uh, in San Francisco, you know, under the bright lights with all those fans and all those uh, those scarlet and gold uh, gold supporters there. I'm going to go 26-20, to playing two very good defenses, uh, offenses can that can score at will uh, when they, you know when their number is called. But I'm going to go San Francisco winning here and then being the only undefeated team left in the NFL once this week is done. I'm going to go 26 to 20 San Fran. Next up, Monday Night Football. We got the Packers at the Raiders. Packers favored by one and a half. You know, you're going to call me crazy here, but Aiden O'Connell is going to win his first football game Monday night, solidifying himself as the starting quarterback for the remainder of wow. the season. Give me the Raiders in a shocker, 27 to 20. It's crazy. Do we, do we know how long Jimmy G is out for? Jimmy G is probably only out for technically two weeks, I would imagine so. But at the end of the day, when you're in the bright lights of Monday night yeah. and you showcase your skill, trust me, it will be a winning recipe for the Vegas 
Raiders, and they tell, they'll take this one. But hey, for all for all I know, Jimmy Garoppolo could even be starting this week, but I have a feeling he won't be. No, that's a good call, Dominic. I think it, right now his status is, uh, you know, to be determined. It's kind of 50-50, maybe one of those game-time decisions. I'm going to go with the Packers in this one, Dom, but I do think that it's going to be close. I'm going to call another overtime uh, game here. I'm going to go final score, 23-20 uh, to 20 here. The Packers win this one in overtime off a field goal there. As time expires, in order to avoid the tie, Green Bay just edges out the Green Bay Packers. And that'll be a wrap for our week five in the NFL. Dominic, we got a few more minutes. Let's see what we've been doing the last few weeks. What are you most excited for? What are you most looking forward to for week five in the NFL? Well, I'll tell you something. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers are in trouble big time. You know, they lost Kenny Pickett. They're playing a divisional rival in the Baltimore Ravens. I said, I don't know how they're going to do this. It's probably going to be defense or it might be some unsung hero on offense. But the Piss Pittsburgh Steelers desperately need this victory for just simple confidence to go into a bye week. If they don't win this football game, this season might be over for Pittsburgh. Yeah, for sure. And I think that, like, especially with the way they, they played last uh, week, Dominic, not being able to score many points. Were you surprised by, by I, I mean, maybe not necessarily by, uh, by the loss, but were you surprised the fact that they weren't able to get, you know, many points on the board? I think there's a lot of problems in Pittsburgh, and you can't just yeah. point at one thing only. It's a, just a disaster, specifically on offense. The defense has been playing fantastic, and that's basically always been the case in Pittsburgh. But you need to score some points, and that offense is god-awful. So I have a feeling we're going to see some type of weird game plan that will be just good enough to beat the Baltimore Ravens, because this is a Really crazy matchup every year between Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Usually there's fireworks, and I don't expect anything different next Sunday. I like it. Good call there. I'm going to go with, uh, for me, what, what could be the game of the week, the Los Angeles Rams and the Philadelphia Eagles. I want to see how real this Rams team is. And if you're telling me Cooper Cup is back, what a story it would be if they're able to you know, beat the defending NFC champions a year after the Rams look completely irrelevant and that they didn't belong in really the NFL with how poorly they played a year after winning the Super Bowl. I want to see this Rams team, their full action, full action packed, and how they're going to incorporate Cooper Cup back in this offense. And not only that, I want to see, because I honestly really do think they have a shot at beating this Philadelphia Eagles team. And for the other flip of the coin, Philadelphia, I want to see them be more impressive than they were in these last few weeks. Especially more impressive than they were against Washington. Washington is a, a decent team, but you got to see one of the bottom feeders of the NFL in terms of on paper. So I want to see, Dom, what this Los Angeles Rams team has and if they can go out there and beat the Eagles. I know they can. I want to see Cooper Cup and the Rams go out and do it now. Yeah, Cooper Cup coming back is huge. And like I said on the top of the show, there's not a lot of quarterbacks, in my opinion, in the NFL, but Matthew Stafford is still an old shotgun gunslinger. This offense is about to open up with Cooper Cup. Hopefully, that's what we see. And hopefully for the Rams, they end up winning this game as well. I would love to see that happen. All right, folks, thank you for tuning in. That is a wrap here at the Power Hour. Like we always say, thank you guys for listening. Without you guys, there is no show. We'll be back next week, same place, same time. Sit back, enjoy football. we got a good Thursday nighter tonight. You were listening to CJLO, 69 a.m. in Montreal.